Welcome to Salisbury Christian Church's Sermon Podcast. The sermon you are about to listen to was delivered on March 4, 2012. This week, we take a look at how God has marked us for salvation through Jesus Christ. Be sure to check out our website at salisburychristianchurch.org for the latest news and events at Salisbury Christian Church. history, God has marked his people to identify them as his people. Those who are marked are spared, and those who lack God's mark are eventually destroyed. Today, we are going to take a look at three events in Scripture where God has marked his people. Now, first of all, we need to ask, why would God need to mark his people? What would be the purpose of this mark? Well, first of all, it would be as a sign of obedience for those who received that mark. Second of all, it is to identify those who are faithful to the Lord. Now, this is not a mark so that God doesn't forget, for he already knows who is faithful to him. Rather, this mark is for others to see. That way there is no mistaking who is faithful to God. There, then, is a clear distinction. The first event that we look at is in Egypt with Moses and the Hebrews and the Passover. This event comes in Exodus 12, uh, verses 21 through 30. And we'll go ahead and read that now just to get a sense of how God has marked his people in this event. It says, Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the doorframe. Not one of you shall go out the door of his house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe and will pass over that house, and he will not strike you down. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the promised land, the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. The Israelites did just what the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night and there was loud wailing in Egypt. 
for there was not a house without someone dead. God had commanded Moses to get all of the Israelites and the elders of the nation together for the first Passover. They were, ready, they were to get ready as quickly as possible. The Egyptians were probably wondering about the sanity of these Hebrews scurrying around trying to get ready for this feast. The Egyptians were probably laughing at them and saying, you foolish, superstitious people. But regardless, the Hebrews did as God commanded. They took a lamb, sacrificed it, dipped a branch of hyssop into the blood, and spread it over the lintel and on the two doorposts of their houses. Back in verse 13, it reads, The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. This was to be their mark. The destroyer came in the night and brought death to all those who weren't marked. The distinction had been made. Those inside Egypt who rejected God found death. Those who were marked as God's faithful ones were given life. Now we know, as the story of the Exodus goes, that the Hebrews were eventually let go, and a long and treacherous journey lay ahead for those following Moses. We need to fast forward about 40 years after the Israelites have wandered around in the desert for some time. We now see the Israelites ready to advance on the city of Jericho. Moses is dead, and Joshua has been put in charge. Joshua decides that he is going to send some spies into the city of Jericho to gather intelligence. The spies decide that they need to find a way into the city, of course, without getting caught, as any good spy would do. Going through the walls of Jericho probably wouldn't have been a good idea. Recent archaeological excavations have found that the walls in Jericho in most places were about 13 feet thick. So chipping and chiseling through the wall would have taken some time and probably would have made a lot of noise. Going through the city gates probably wouldn't have been a good idea either. For the king of Jericho and really all the kings in the land of Canaan saw the mass of people on the other side of the Jordan, on the east side of the Jordan. They knew that something was coming, so they were on high alert. So the spies decide that they need to go to the north side of Jericho's wall. There, uh, they have found that there have been homes built into the wall. So the spies scale that wall and enter one of those houses. And this house that they enter belongs to a prostitute named Rahab. Well, the king of Jericho finds out that there's spies, and he sends a detachment of soldiers to Rahab's dwelling. They question her, and they do not see the spies. But she tells them they have gone away. They 
uh, have left and I don't know where they're at. But really what Rahab has done, she has taken those two spies and hidden them under stalks of grain on her roof. So as the detachment of soldiers leaves and pursues the spies elsewhere, the two spies come out of their hiding spot and they start discussing with Rahab their intentions. Rahab is a faithful woman of God in the city of Jericho. Now we don't know how or why she became a follower of the Most High God, but she knows for sure that this God, the God of the Hebrews, the one true God, is going to give the Israelites the land where she is living. So she talks to the spies, and we get the account in Joshua 2, starting in verse 12. She says, Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. So she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Now she had said to them, Go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your way. The men said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless... When we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into this house, if anyone goes outside your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away, and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. So we see here that Rahab does exactly as the spies instruct. She takes this red cord, this scarlet cord, and ties it in her window. Further in the story, when Joshua and his warriors uh, invade the city and attack the city, we know that Joshua sends his spies forward once more to save Rahab and her family. They look up, they see the cord in the window, and Rahab and her family are spared. A line of distinction had been made. Those inside Jericho had rejected God and found death. Rahab and her family, who had been marked as faithful, were spared. Now we fast forward again 1,280 years. 
we come upon a scene where Jesus and his disciples are at the Last Supper. And Judas has just left the table. Jesus is speaking with the remainder of his disciples about the coming days, the last days of his ministry on earth. We get this account in John 13, 33. Jesus says, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Here Jesus says that if we are his true believers, if we are his true followers, we will have a mark. Just as Rahab and her family were marked by that scarlet cord and the Hebrews were marked by the blood on their doorpost, they had been distinguished and so shall we be. What is our mark? From this passage, we see that our mark is the love of Christ. Our mark, the love of Christ that we share with one another, that we share with those outside the faith. Those who encounter us should automatically see the distinction, should see something different. They should be asking us, why are you so happy? Why is there so much hope within you? How can you be so loving in a world so full of hate? We should answer because we have Christ's love. The love that we exhibit on the outside is a sign of how we are marked on the inside. We can love those around us because we are marked inside with the blood of Christ. His blood. The blood of the final Passover lamb is spread over the door frames of our hearts and that blood is the scarlet cord that fell from the cross and binds Christ's church together. A line of distinction has been drawn. Those who have rejected the saving sacrifice of Christ are marked for separation from the Father forever. But those who have called upon the name of Christ and who have been washed in the waters of baptism, just as Dickie was baptized this morning, they have been marked for salvation. I ask you this morning, what side of the line of distinction are you on today? Are you on the side of the line who have rejected God and rejected the saving sacrifice of Christ that is so freely offered to each and every one of you? Or are you on the side of the line 
where we can accept Christ and be marked by the love that He showed us on the cross. Thank you.